welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about Star Wars books, like this whole sucker, in person. I'm Justin. And I'm Tim. And as you can hear, Tim is here. Not on a phone this time. And that's to the benefit of everybody's enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, it wasn't poor quality being on the phone, but it was lesser quality. And it was weird. It was yeah. just it was just weird. It's harder to ha- it's harder to like I don't know, focus on the conversation as much when you're not looking at somebody. Yeah. You know I mean? It's easy to just blah 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 over the phone to myself at a chair <laughs> and not anyways. Yeah. <laughs> We're back, bitches. I don't know what to say. <laughs> we're all we're all like befuddled and <laughs> yeah. out of our element. We're not even sitting in the normal spot, so the configuration of the microphones is all off. Everything's all weird, but we are back. And this week we're gonna talk about Date of the Jedi <laughs> Book Two Omen in its entirety, because we finished it. How do you like that? Yeah. And we managed to uh follow government regulations and managed it still get back in person before we completely finished our run of the book with the podcast yeah just in time to get in here for the breakdown how about that that's special do we do a previously thing for these ones previously yeah first okay yeah previously we finished the book right so previously (laughs) bum 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 Previously on Forever Canon, we finished the book. I'm not taking any of that out. <laughs> this is mixed up mess episode. Okay, we finished the book. And this week, we're going to start with the Galactic Overview, as we do. Which is just the summary of, I don't know, general events. Not really specific people and details. But the summary of kind of what happened from beginning to end in this book with the major powers in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right summarized my own summary so how about that the galactic overview has more jedi falling under the influence of the mysterious and inexplicable imposter syndrome and they're all exhibiting dangerous and powerful force techniques previously unknown to the afflicted these incidents occurring in public heighten the people's fear and distrust of the jedi while cheap estate natasi dalla continues to apply pressure in her attempt to gain oppressive government control over the now reeling and slowly fracturing Jedi Order. Meanwhile, the ancient Sith meditation sphere, Ship, has found a new home, an undiscovered planet with the lost tribe of the Sith. Having been disabused of their belief that the galaxy is conquered by their Sith brethren, the lost tribe prepares to finish the job themselves as they reemerge into the known galaxy. Yet they are not the only unquantified threat from a mysterious quadrant. Something is, quote, out of harmony in the strange concentration of black holes that is the Maw. That's what happened? Yeah, pretty much. Right? I think so. I think that was pretty good. You got anything to add? No, just wondering. (laughs) Any, Any questions? Kessel. That's right at the edge of the Maw, right? Allegedly. You, you have to go through the Maw in the castle run. Well, when they went there in the last book to save the planet, 
they talked about the maw being nearby? Because Alana heard something while she was on the surface. Yeah. But did they say that was... I don't know. I think that's on the way. I think that's part of the castle run. I don't know. But notice, immediately we're talking about things that happened in the last book. Yeah. Because this was a pretty low event book. Mm-hmm. There a few huge additions to the party. But like, overall, not a lot changed or happened, maybe. Yeah, not, not so much. There were a lot of very minor things that went on that didn't really contribute to the story so much, I don't think. Or at least didn't seem to amount to much now. Yes, Which may maybe later. is okay in book two. And, you know, as yeah. we get through to book seven or something, we'll be like, aha, it was really important that they went to the circus. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with our character reviews for this book. With our first group, Han and Leia Solo. Featuring Alana, the still bad at it, solo parents. Yes. How about them? I've said how about like nine times already. How about that? I don't know what to do. I'm sitting in a different chair. Yeah. We are oriented differently. You should be on this side of the room. I should be looking at this side of the room. You know what I mean? Everything's thrown off, but Han and Leia Solo are still old. Apparently still cool and quick and powerful. We'll get to that. But still bad parents. Um, They haven't learned anything from the deaths of 66% of their babies. No. Grown or teenager or otherwise. They visit the imposter syndrome Seth Helen, who they met in their previous book that we skipped, Mm -hmm. uh, Millennium Falcon. They're visiting him at the beginning of this in the Jedi Temple basement because he was captured in the last book. Yes. <laughs> which we weren't sure about at the end of the last episode. Yeah, yeah, we, we talked about that off off uh, off mic. <laughs> I think we talked about it on mic. And I think we were <laughs> we like, I don't, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, that was from the last book. He's there in the Jedi Temple basement, which has now been turned into a luxurious apartment prison. They know him from a previous book. And he scares the shit out of Alana when they visit him here now. And she cries, Jason's he's, he's bad energy. And he says some spooky things to them as they leave. So they decide that Alana needs a pet parenting. Yeah. Or, and, and some family time, which worked like that was, well, it started to work. Well, it was like, yeah, that was part of it. Right. It was like, we'll go together to pick out a pet. Mm-hmm. And that'll be like family time. And then whenever we're not around being terrible surrogate parents, she can look at the pet and remember that one time that we we're all together. So they take her shopping at the pet expo slash circus where of course all hell breaks loose. Their Jedi escort goes imposter mode, mm-hmm. uh, sets all the beasts loose on the poor unsuspecting regular human beings. And so Leia, superhero, is forced to save a small boy and a grown man and everyone else because Grandma still got it. So how about yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> now, now I'm saying it on purpose and it's getting worse. Anyway. By doing that, she had to murder an animal in front of Alana. Yeah, and also break the laws of physics. Yes. But we'll just... Uh, of Star Wars physics. We'll slide... Uh, you know what? That's fair. 
Yeah. You know what? It's such a shitty argument, but a fair argument. It's made up technology. How do you know how the physics works or Mm -hmm. whatever, right? But like, well, what we've seen is it can cut through anything. So how do you pin the thing to a thing with it? Like, just imagine, yeah. imagine like a knife, you try to, you're in a hand-to-hand combat, you try to pin someone's hand to the wall with a knife. Well, that works because it's not sharp on both sides. Mm-hmm. And not infinitely so. <laughs> <laughs> a beam of plasma energy, otherwise. Anyways, that's besides the point. Grandma's still got it. Han clutches Alana all book long, pretty much, until the end. During the meeting of the minds at the Jedi Temple with Dalla and the government, where he's present, and he diffuses the whole situation with simple math. Yes, yeah, he does. He says, "You guys got two sick Jedi. We got two. They, they got two sick Jedi." Sorry. Yeah. He doesn't say we. He's not a Jedi. Yeah, he separates himself out on purpose. Yeah, I think like that's like a psychological tactic. Yeah. Right? To be more convincing or whatever. Yeah, I don't think he actually sees himself too often as separate. I don't think he had to be too convincing at all, though, because Doll is like, cool. Yeah. Not cool. She's like, we're going to come in and see these people whenever we want, do whatever we want, but I'll leave the room without him, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. What? Uh, I'll, I'll leave him in your basement, but I'm going to just show up whenever. Yeah, uh, that's how we resolve the crisis with the government of the Jedi lying to the government. You got two crazy ones. They got two crazy ones. And then later it's bedtime and Alana remembers that, like you said, Leia murdered a living animal in front of her and it had babies. So now she wants to have a Nexu cub to raise because... She is the spawn of, you know, animal Jesus Jason. Mm-hmm. So the parents allow it. Yeah. It, was, it was fine. Yeah. We made it an orphan. Here, our whole thing is we made it an orphan. It's our responsibility now to take care of them. Yes. And the re- very responsible adults say, you are totally right, child. We will buy you the pet with a mouthful of razor sharp fangs wider than your waist. Yep. Maybe not as an infant. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. The, the the baby ones could chew you in half, but yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? We'll talk about it. But you're right. Alana says, we'll raise one because balance. Mm-hmm. Because it's the right thing to do. And uh, that's it. Is that it, Tim? That's, I think that's about all that they did. Did I miss anything? Cause no. They... Circus, talk with Dala. Yeah. Yeah, they meet with Seth, and then that's it. That's it. Alana has a little bit of time to show her compassionate side and, like, her young responsibility and her her precocious sort of maturity for her age. Mm -hmm. We get get that out of the six-year-old. That's fun. Leia kicks a bunch of ass and saves everyone. That's pretty fun. That was fun until it didn't make sense but it was still pretty fun <laughs> and then han was just a, was just uh baby bjorn grandpa the whole time yeah who wanted to get the frip out of there until frip. 
He needed to be an expert negotiator. No, and not, then, not on character for him. And but. then he just was. And then Dala's like, okay. And when it was it was all of all Leia's idea to say, I have a way to fix this. And then Han said, here's how we fix this. Yeah, right? <laughs> She's like, I have a way to fix this. Get Han Solo in the room. He'll think of something. <laughs> and then he do. And then that's it. That's. That's it. What was uh, what was your favorite moment, Tim, of the Solo family, the three piece? Uh, just because it was, <laughs> just because it was weird and and the whole Han and Leia bad parenting thing. At at the end, when she wants this this deadly pet, and she kind of child logics them into it. Yeah, and they're like well, we can't say no. We can't not teach her responsibility for her actions kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you know this about parenting. Yeah, you can say no anytime <laughs> you need to. Yep. <laughs> and you should yeah. if you need to. Yeah. Maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe we should get something else that doesn't have a, a parent. Maybe or like, nicer. yeah, well, like, that's right. You acknowledge the positive emotions that the child is exhibiting and experiencing. That's great that you want to take responsibility for that. But that's too much responsibility for a six-year-old that we don't take care of very well. Yeah. So. We move around too we'll much. We wouldn't be able to take care of that. thing. Yeah. It's fucking whatever, right? One of those weird, like, kangaroo emu things. Mine, my favorite moment was that Han, during, you know, while they're in the dangerous animal pen and things are going crazy and they're doing the reverse uh, uh, trash compactor. And the floors are pulling into the walls. He's just standing there holding the screaming grandchild the whole time. And the secondary part of that that I liked a lot was that that was all she did. During during the panic and, a, and beast attack mode uh, mm-hmm. situation, all Alana did was cry. Yeah. As a goddamn six-year-old <laughs> would and should. I don't care if she's the daughter of a queen and, a, and Jesus Jedi. Yeah. I don't care. She should be screaming her face off the whole time. And she did. I yeah. thought that was actually really lights, good. Lights are shutting off. Lightsabers are flashing. People are screaming. Yeah, everyone's screaming. People are getting hurt. Animals are getting cut to pieces in front of you. Yeah. The only thing you can see in the room is grandma's fucking cutty light sword. Yeah. I might be screaming. like that. I, <laughs> That'd be awful. And Han's just sitting there holding her. Yeah. It's great. Our second character in this grand overview of the massive shift and change that everybody underwent in this book is Jaina Solo. That's right. Last book we finished with Jaina Solo. This time she's downgraded to second on the list. Jaina Solo, the engagediest Jedi. Mm-hmm. Grounded teen edition. And she shows up finally in chapter nine to show her parents her fresh catch of Seth Helen in the basement. Then she pops in in chapter 12 for a high stakes spy mission involving code names, which psych is actually just her and Jag sneaking around for a lover's tryst. In chapter 17, she's back to save the circus with her mom. But she doesn't do any of her special Jedi lightsaber fighting or powers or 
any of her normal in the niche, like in her hotspot type of stuff, right? She goes and saves all the animals. Instead, she calms all the animals down to save the people. I guess, I mean, that's legit, right? Mm-hmm. But not really the way that she normally works. Like we said, have we ever seen her do that before? No, she... Have you ever seen her calm a beast? No, she like gets rid of her normal violent aspects, which is basically what she's created. Which would be her doing all the Leia stuff in the dangerous animal pen, where she's like, I'll kill all these fucking things. You go take care of everybody else, mom. But they reverse roles here, and it seemed really weird. Yeah, she like uses her inner Jason to help with the animals. Which she's never really shown before. Also... You know, the engagediest Jedi is the joke of the angriest Jedi. She's the one who decides, I'm going to calm all the angry beasts. Mm-hmm. This is how... Anyways, it's okay, but it's just weird. Finally, in chapter 21, 9, 12, 17, 21, Jaina is grounded for her part in hiding Seth Helen from Dala. They find out all that. Jaina gets grounded, but her boyfriend... Sneaks into her room. And she and Jag get engaged. If you know what I mean. With logic. They get engaged. Yes. But also to be married. That's all. Yeah, she didn't do much. So back to the point of we couldn't remember what happened this book or last book was because all of the action that Jaina had, all of the, let's say, goal focused narrative that Jaina had was in the last book Mm -hmm. where she was, you know, trying to catch a guy to solve the problem. This book, she shows her parents, crazy guy dodges a reporter for a date, saves the animals at the circus and then gets grounded and gets engaged. And I know that I'm purposely dismissively oversimplifying things, right? Yeah, yeah. That's obvious. <laughs> but guess what? I don't have anything else to really say. Because what did she... That's all she did. Mm-hmm. That's all she did. That's all she does in this book. That's all. She does nothing to contribute towards solving this mystery imposter syndrome thing, right? Nope. That's not on her agenda. Dodging reporters for a date. That's what we're going to read about. Okay. Okay. Which seems unnecessary. Especially in a book with all of this clear girl power bent, right? Mm-hmm. Like the circus scene that we're talking about, for example. The the Jedi that goes crazy and starts taking control of everything is a lady. Mm-hmm. Jaina tells her dad to hang tight. I'm going to save you. Leia saves everybody from all the animals. It's all, that's just one example of one scene. It's all girl power all through the whole book. And fuck yeah, for that. You know, yeah, throughout, absolutely. Throughout, we were like, these are really cool, really cool to see the women taking control or whatever. They should, they're magic, all that jazz, right? Mm-hmm. Good stuff, good stuff. But in a book of girl power, Jaina's major scenes, our most powerful female character, our most able to affect the world around her female character visits her parents, goes on a date, goes to the circus, gets engaged. That's fucking it. 
Yeah. And she uh, gives an interview with Javis Tear off screen. We don't see that in the narrative. That would have been fun. That's it for your most powerful female character at your disposal. I I liked all the stuff of like, yeah, let Jet, uh, let Leia shine. That was cool. She doesn't get a lot of action scenes where she's the only star. Yeah. That was cool. Why is Jaina do zero things to solve this problem that is tearing apart the Jedi order around her? Yeah. Her whole thing, the whole I can't believe it. women being written into books. Yeah. She seemed to fall back into a previously established role. Ma- hey, I got engaged. Hey, I went on a date. Or even just more like she uh, try. I, I don't know how to say this in a not douche way where I, I'm a dude who's criticizing women things that I don't really know about. And I'm also criticizing writing, which I don't, know about but here's what i would have to say at least you prefaced it first. if you downloaded this you have asked for my opinion here it comes i think that christy golden came into this book with a clear mission of empowering the female characters and i think she did it well in a lot of ways but in a lot of ways it comes across disingenuous because then she falls back like you said into some of these old tropes where yeah. like what that's all she does. She doesn't take any control over the problem. Yeah. Over, over um, the people in her life that are suffering from this. Not in this book. Last book she did. She was like, Hey, let's do this dark meld thing and let's fucking break Valen horn out of there. And then we'll catch Steph Helen accidentally instead, whatever, whatever. That was all her plan. Mm-hmm. That was all her, her having an idea to fix the thing that's wrong in the universe. This is her being mad at reporter all book long and jag on the side. Yeah. That's, that's all. That's all she does. The most powerful female character that you have available to you does three things. She saves the animals. She takes the heat for the Seth Helen thing publicly. She gets the blame for that, right? She's the scapegoat. And then she gets engaged, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Like that's a nice step of character development between the relationship of her and Jag that we have always wanted, you know, like something solid in her love life instead of the flippy floppy. Yeah. Who's going to be my boyfriend shit. It's nice to see them evolve into this engagement and their scenes together are really good. They're like, they're, you know, it seems natural and it, it all works, mm-hmm. but she didn't do anything else. Yeah, it it her being her written in this book definitely compared to the last book and I'm going to go even further back to the last series definitely fell flat for sure. And we've been complaining about it since book 1 of the last series. Yeah. More Jaina, more Jaina being a badass, doing amazing things and accomplishing cool shit. Mhm. This is fucking absurd. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. For how Again, I keep saying powerful, but what I mean is for for the amount of control that she has to affect change over her own environment, she takes none of that control in this book. Mm-hmm. She is so 
uncharacteristically, selfishly focused on her love life. Yeah. Which is... the longest pause of all time because I don't know, like not Jaina. Yeah. The only what? part, the only part where you could say that Punched maybe she took a little bit of control was during the off screen, off book interview. Right, right. She only named the other Jedi. She didn't name Mirax. Sure. Jag yeah, she and leaves all, all the that's uh, it. civilians out of the, uh, out of the report of who helped capture this j- hidden Jedi in the basement temple temple basement but i just can't believe like i can't believe how little she tried to accomplish yeah okay that maybe is the better way to put it she had no goals in this book at all no No plan no nothing when your uncle is exiled because your brother went Dark side psycho and try to take over the fucking universe. And now a handful of Jedi all around you are going crazy. And Jaina cares about sneaking out for a date with Jag. Fuck off. Yeah. It's almost like she was just floated in there in different places. So we wouldn't forget that she was a part of the world. I, yeah. Because she seemed to have nothing better to do. Yeah. And it leaves me with the question of, you know, this is book two. Mm-hmm. Maybe something that she did do in this book blows up later <laughs> on. I know we're laughing and <laughs> smiling at each other. Yeah. What could it possibly be? Maybe the her specifically being the scapegoat in the public eye. For the Seth Helen thing, for lying to the government. Maybe that turns out to be really, really bad. That it's Jaina. Maybe. It's purpose pause. Okay. Because I, I don't know. Because nothing. I don't know. Obviously, obviously, like, there's going to be ramifications of people finding out her and Jag are engaged. Because mm-hmm. the moths are already fucking trying to overthrow him. Because they're little... What, is, what does he call them? Like crazy babies or some shit? Like yeah, that? something like that. So I just... she uh, the, Very unimpactful in this book. Yeah. For being Jaina Solo. In this... I don't know. Triple trilogy about her family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Enough said. What was your favorite moment of Jaina? I think we just kind of went over that we don't have one. Um, I did like the animal Jesus thing because it reminded me of her brother. Yeah, and so I, that's not nice. Yeah, that was a different, <laughs> uh, different skill set that we're not used to seeing. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that was a unique scene. Um, the how is the I have to escape. And trick this reporter because I'm going on a date with the, the guy that everybody knows I'm going out with. Yeah. Why? Just yeah. go. He's going to follow so you. So that you can kiss him and no one can see. <laughs> everybody knows you're dating. Or like what, maybe, maybe that's like It's like maybe it's just tabloid rumors right now. And then if somebody gets a picture of it, then it's like it becomes intergalactic news. Or not, yeah. Or it's it's going to be in a minute. Either way. like I think maybe that was the... Coolest part because it was so absurd. 
It's a tough one, man. Yeah. I said this at the end of the last episode. I don't think it's going to be a tough review. Except for this part. As we come to our third character, Vestara Kai, ship's favorite Sith. And mine. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the story. All other female characters in this novel have been forsaken in (laughs) favor of Vastarakai. Suck it, Jaina. But good thing she's dope. (laughs) (laughs) This is... Forget the just the female characters. In my opinion, the best character well, throughout the book. Definitely, but it you know, just in that direct comparison sort of way, she mm. is the only female character that shines and stands out and changes and grows. I mean, which is easy to do when you're doing time jumpy shit, I guess. But and when you're dealing best. with someone that's brand new yeah and, and you're right though not just yeah she has <laughs> she has that benefit going for her she's fresh 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 yeah there's nothing to compare her to <laughs> nothing to be like oh why does ben snickering at aliens now he didn't do that in the last series yeah oh why is jana not care about taking control of the problem that's what she did in the last series like we're fucking assholes yeah we are but Vestara kai the listeners know this is new and she got that freshy fresh and we meet her at age 14, sparring in the sands of the forgotten planet Kesh, a member of the lost tribe of the Sith, shipwrecked 5,000 years ago, stranded here ever since. These Sith survived and then thrived over the millennia, building a culture and society prosperous in its use of the dark side. No other spacecraft has been seen on this planet in the 5,000 years that they've been here. They crashed their ship, the Omen title drop, which, by the way, I like, I like, I think we maybe said that, and I'm probably contradicting what I said last time, but I like that title drop being the name of their crashed ship from this forgotten culture of Sith or whatever. You know? I'm not sure if you mentioned it directly, but... We did talk about it being the title. Yeah, I like I like that the title of the book, the book is named after the ship that the this lost tribe has descended from, from five thousand years ago. I think that's cool, and it's also, you know, thematically correct, mm-hmm. or like uh, subtextually correct, because they are a giant unknown threat in the universe and. <laughs> You know, how very ominous of them to uh, be appearing now in the story. Yeah, the Sith that time forgot. Nobody talked about them in the first book. We didn't know about them. They didn't come up once. So when we picked up this book in the last review to figure out who the fuck was on the cover, <laughs> Tim had no idea and I couldn't tell him, but I knew it. Yeah, no. And zero. I was like, oh, the whole time I was like, if he tells me he doesn't like this character, I'm going to fucking slap him. <laughs> and then it turned out we were doing it over the phone for you so you were safe. But yeah, you didn't. You were right. You you made the right choice. So <laughs> everything's fine. Thank you for being written properly. Did not end a friendship. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Sorry for all the other characters in the book. But. No other spacecraft has been seen on this planet in 5,000 years. They smashed their omen into a mountain, could never rebuild it, and the natives never had spacefaring technology. (laughs) No ships for 5,000 years. Until 
we meet Vestara. And ship arrives, passing just over her head. And calling to her on his way. To her. Her specifically. The introduction that we get to this character is that she is the chosen one of this enigmatic, very interesting Sith meditation sphere that has its own consciousness and personality that we met in the last series. One of my in favorite the characters. Last series, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that which is another nice way to prime her to be well received. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, the messenger, or the the yeah, the messenger of her, her of her forthcoming is one of our favorite weird little characters mm-hmm. yeah. who has been missing and we've been asking about all this time. So mystery works. Ship flies by. Calls out to Vestara. And I'm just, I'm going to kind of just zip through the bunch of chapters that we got about her because we get quick glimpses into the this hidden Sith society and culture all throughout the book, like in her scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have families which they love and hug. They're regular people. Mm-hmm. They make art, they make music, and they have glass sculpted architecture. For example, their Sith temple is like a giant glass spire with a, a glass bulb at the top of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm trying to think of something to compare it's kind it of to like in life. a glass CN tower. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It's got the big bulbous shit in the yeah. top near the point. It's okay. For anybody who doesn't know, it's a big tall thing in Toronto. And, Google CN Tower. If you're in the States, the Seattle... Space Needle. How about that? Yeah, because that's got the big fucking round titty up top too, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Don't know why I said that, but <laughs> must be the point. <laughs> Anyways, they 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 create. They're creative. They are. They appreciate beauty. They appreciate art. They appreciate softness, mm-hmm. as well as having that inbred Sith hardness, because. They breed and train strong-willed and full-hearted people into hard-made, cold-blooded killers. And two years with Ship on Kesh, sees Vastara chosen by Ship, taken as apprentice to a powerful Sith Lady Lord, and forged into a hardened warrior, a serial killer, even. Yeah. Because... Yeah, gotta, because she's a Sith. You know what I mean? Like, she can't be all good. She has to have the irredeemable aspect of like, oh, like you, you're a killer for real, like a murderer killer. Because on this this two years that we span of the Lost Tribe over this book with Vestara and Ship being there, Ship is... Um, upending their entire belief system and he prepares the tribe for its reemergence into the galaxy that they are not the rulers of like they kind of thought like they thought they were not kind of thought yeah Yeah. you're right Um, they return to the stars under the guidance of ship pirating themselves a tidy little fleet before feeling a tremendous presence in the force Skywalker that wasn't very tremendous. Skywalker! 
much more tremendous. Look at it. You can see how tremendous it is on the wave. <laughs> yeah. Ship tells them, that was Luke Skywalker. And then a subsequent outpouring of dark side energy has ship blasting off, abandoning the tribe. And with them, our new main character, Vestar Akai. Our 16-year-old chosen one badass warrior lady. Dark side Jason. Now, something that didn't occur to me until writing this. Right out, Okay, so Luke touches the garbage thing that amplifies his presence over 9,000. And then shortly thereafter, while they're preparing this fleet, a big burst of dark side energy answers that call. So, mm-hmm. you know, I never thought about it like that. I, for some reason, when I was, I was, I was pissed off at the end of this book, to be honest, like it was fucking disjointed and, and just, yeah, it was weird. Rushed felt like. So mm-hmm. I was rushing through it. Maybe that's why I felt rushed. But anyways, I was mad at it. And I just didn't quite put the two things together of this is two sides of a coin happening, right? Here's a big light side amplification coming out of Luke Skywalker where he's at. And then there's some mysterious outpouring of dark side energy that draws ship away from the Sith. Yeah. Uh, another... Almost in response, right? Yeah. Another maybe why we missed it is because it doesn't. Uh, do we know how long after? It doesn't seem like very long. No, it doesn't. Like I, but it's kind of indistinct. Yeah, it, may, it might even have been days. It might have been weeks. But mm-hmm. yeah, still could have could be a related response. But yeah, like yeah. for not quite putting it together at the time, it could be an explanation why, or because I was fucking mad at the end of the book. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. That was interesting. So ship leaves them, abandons them. And Vestar Akai wants him back. And so does the whole Lost Tribe. Because as they were gathering this fleet to head into the galaxy to find Skywalker mm-hmm. after having felt him, they shift gears. And now their goal, which is everyone's goal, is yeah. always my goal, find ship. <laughs> Where is ship? I don't know, man. What do you think... Uh, what do you think about the tribe? They're they're presented as being like the cool uncle of the Sith. Yeah. We're like, hey, we're hard and fierce, but we're cool, bro. Yeah, they they strike you as the the as putting it in people terms, <laughs> the person that will love you fiercely and fight just as fierce. Right. Same same thing but don't love it too much or i'll cut its fucking head off in front yes that kind of thing yeah (laughs) but they're doing this weird thing throughout the book where i mean it's not they're doing this purposeful thing their culture very closely mirrors what we have of now jedi culture Mm -hmm. so like present day jedi culture mirrored in their ancient sith hand-me-down traditions which of course makes sense, right? Because originally the two things split from the same group. Yep. They split from the same order. When these people got lost 5,000 years ago, they had very similar traditions. Yeah. 
it wasn't until they lost the war and became almost extinct and then the rule of two and all that stuff for thousands of years that they developed this totally different culture that you see in the one Sith hiding on Korriban. Yeah. This Sith is more like the true Sith. Straight, um, straight thread. What, what do you call that? Pure stock yeah, from the, yeah. from the ancient 5,000 year old traditions of being, you know, just recently loosely, not, not yeah. Recently separated from the Jedi, you know, I think that's so cool, man. <laughs> like just the, the question begged would be if the Sith were in the Jedi's place now, right? If they had swapped, places 5,000 years ago and won the war, lost the war. Would the Sith not look exactly like the Jedi look now? And the Jedi would be the one into hiding and keeping small numbers and all of that kind of stuff. Like based on the fact that their ancient tradition looks so similar to the yeah, <laughs> present day to the Jedi now, yeah. culture. Right. I just find that, I find that really good writing. Mm-hmm. If I could say it poorly, it's good. Yeah. I like it good. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just I (laughs) It makes sense too because they're both they're they're both opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah. That that, like and that's how they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to be written and portrayed. Yeah. So it makes it makes you know, through the delineation of, of generations breaking off from that core ancient group over time Mm -hmm. the sith and jedi have now become completely different things and the point that i fucking got lost on before was that it makes me wonder when these sith encounter the jedi present day jedi how similar or different are they going to find each other to actually be yeah is it just going to be more sith in name and they're actually quite a lot like us. You know what I mean? Like it, what sort of, which side of the X-Men racism thing are we stumbling into? Yeah. I think the only difference that we'll really see. They're just like us. Yeah. Celebrities. Is how, how and where they draw their power from. And uh, how they use and it. And how they use it. Not, not so much what they are as people. At as core. we saw on their, you know, as they were gathering ships for their fleet. Well, why the reason why we called Vestara a serial killer is because she is. Yeah. They started with ship and then they went up and they took a ship and killed all the people inside of it. Then they came back home and fixed it up and then they went out with two ships. And then they blew up two more ships and killed everyone inside and brought them back. And then they went out with four and then they killed everyone inside. Over and over again until they had like maybe two dozen, maybe one dozen, depending yeah. on which chapter you read. The, the line, they contradict each other. <laughs> the line she I think is written is she before they started this she was relatively innocent or something like that, and then she is killed in every imaginable way yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, which is a really dark stroke to hit to hit her with at the end of this book mm-hmm. when you, like I was saying about them being so similar uh, cultures all the way through this book, it's like, Oh man, she's just like a Jedi. They're just like Jedi. They have a temple. They have, they have masters and apprentices. They, you know what? Like they run their shit the same way that the Jedi run it. And then at the end, when they get the smallest amount of power abuse, 
Yeah. They start murdering people and taking more and taking more and taking more. So I don't know how different they will or won't find each other to be or who will find similarities in other people, like in the groups, how that shit's going to mesh together when everybody eventually collides. I hope we don't have to wait too many more books for the Sith and the Jedi to become aware of each other. I think it'll probably be mid, like, say, fourth or fifth book, probably. There, I guess it just depends on how long it takes to find ship. Yeah. Because <laughs> then there's going right back to Luke Skywalker or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I thought Vistara, obviously we said a lot about her at the, off the top, but she's smart. She's strong. She's well-spoken, like, in the, in the text. She's... She has interesting thoughts. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she is, she's very aware of her place in her culture, her in the universe now, mm-hmm. I guess. But she is just a really smart and interesting character. She's fucking fantastic. So far. yeah. Now, would I have liked the ending to not be so rushed and we get a half a chapter of her straight up murdering motherfuckers on a ship? To really, really paint that stroke thicker and like heavier than her just going, I did it though. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if we saw it happen? Yeah. Just the scene of Darth Vader coming in onto the, the yeah. just murdering He's people. He's scariest in Rogue One yeah. when you see his actual power. He's scary enough in 4, 5, 6 when he's threatening that power to, to a larger degree. Mm-hmm. But he looks coolest in that one-minute scene of Rogue One where he steps onto the Tantive Four or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Exactly. If she had two pages of sneaking through decks on a small cruiser or whatever the hell, murdering 15 people, taking the helm and flying the ship back by herself or some crazy shit, or leading a fucking commando team or something. Yeah. That'd be cool. It would have been better served for her ending of the book than going, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Just whisper real quick at the end. I did I kill those people. Okay. <laughs> what was your favorite moment? Favorite moment for me of hers would probably have to be, I think when she, it's when we first meet her, she's being trained or she's training. And like the purple sand. Or and the, yeah. And the sand with the, that other culture that lives Actually, there. Actually, I think that guy's purple. Yeah, the natives. Yeah. The, yeah, the native culture that's there. She's training with them. And then she just gets this thing. And she's she automatically knows that she's chosen now. Yeah, like she gets like, she gets somebody, somebody uh, signs into her Wi-Fi. Yeah, and like, it was, whoa, it was like, it's like, ooh. Yeah, she makes like first contact with ship. Yeah, right? and for me, it gave, it gave me a little like, ooh. It Bad made her guy, really man. special. Yeah, right it made away. her important. Because how do you not like ship? Yeah. And then ship's like, hey, look how important this one is. Even though for half of the last series, we couldn't agree on what it looked like. Well, even <laughs> even still. It's bumpy and it's red and it's got translucent I wings. I think he looks like a meteor with translucent wings. I think yeah. he looks like a, if he were a Pokemon, he would be a Rog and Rolla. Okay, yeah, yeah. But with leathery Zubat wings. <laughs> yeah. That fold into his ever shifting shape of his body that he can also morph into different weapons. My favorite thing. Mike Wazowski <laughs> off of Monsters Inc. with wings on him. 
Wow, that's easy <laughs> enough to Photoshop. My favorite moment of Vestara was just the visual scene of her riding her dragon to the glass sculpted Sith temple. She's flying her dragon through the sky to go meet her destiny at the glass wizard fucking tower. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this is so epic, hot, epic, high classic fantasy. Yeah. It's so cool. You know, it was really evocative. If I could choose a good word. Yeah. That is Cause a good I word. like it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Our fourth characters, set, group, huh. Luke and Ben Skywalker. Skywalker v. Solo Tour 2020. In case you don't remember where we left off, these two were looking for somewhere to go. They didn't even know at the end of the last book. Then they get a phone call from Sogal, and Sogal's like, hey, Gisela went fucking crazy, and she flow walked. And Luke Skywalker says, ding, ding, ding. We got to go find the Yang-Ti. <laughs> so they do. The Yang-Ti, Masters of the Flow Walk. They go to find him because this imposter Jedi thing is getting out of hand. And Luke especially thinks that Jason might have time traveled and planted all these force powers inside everybody's brains in the past. Because we keep talking about everybody used to be young. Yeah. So they head out to the Cathole Rift. To track down the masters of the flow walk who taught it to Jason in the past on his sojourn across the galaxy. Which, in case you don't remember, is the whole arc of Luke and Ben is going to be following Jason's footsteps through the past into the present. To lead the Jedi towards the future. Oh! (laughs) That's the power of being in person. Yes. The Yang-T are somewhere out in the Cathole Rift. We don't know. There's no The records are no good. Even the Jedi Temple has incomplete records of where these guys are and where they live. Which, the limited information that we get is very exciting. It's full of lightning. This Cathole Rift where these Yang-T live. It's full of ghosts. It's prone to giving people hallucinations. And the Yang-T themselves are time-bending aliens. All very promising. Yeah. Crazy sci-fi. Interesting threads. They want to find these wackos. Yeah. Weird. That nobody has any information on. Xenophobic aliens. So they go there, and when you know it, the aliens find them. First, though, Luke uses Bye. the power. He uses the power that he gets from the previous book. Yes. Because everywhere that they go, we're going to learn a new power. So the power that he learned in the last book to control lightning saves their ship in the Cathol Rift long enough for the aliens to find them. And they do. Boy, do they. But Luke and Ben find their own rift, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Opening between themselves. Over flow walking. Yep. Ben wants it. Luke don't. He doesn't want it, and he doesn't want Ben to have it. Which is like, like I said, pretty shitty attitude for the leader of a monastic order that relies on teaching. Yeah, teaching and knowledge. You know, you can learn it and not use it. But I guess that's the temptation of the dark side or, whatever, mm-hmm. or, whatever, or passion of the Christ type stuff. 
the rift is opening between them. But in the Cathol Rift, the Angti find them and challenge them to prove their worth. Find, meet us on this moon. Prove to us that you should be alive, I guess. I don't know, because there's really no deal in place. It's just, hey, you came to our part of the galaxy, and we'll fucking kill you if you don't meet us on the moon and prove to us that you're worthy by communicating with the armadillo face lickers. And they <laughs> are in. Yeah. Hands him a little microphone. He's got a speaker on his chest. Prove it. <laughs> Come on over. Let us lick you. We'll be, it'll be good. Yep. <laughs> Proven. <laughs> so the Yankti take them to their home world, which is unnamed at this point. Maybe it gets a name later. Uh, spoiler alert. No. The Yankti takes them to their home world that nobody ever bothers to ask the name of. And they're having the equivalent of like a civil war, right? Over free will versus fate. Mm-hmm. The, their culture is falling apart, which is a nice backdrop. For investigating Jason's past, his journey. This idea of fate versus free will. Because the whole investigation is what did or didn't happen to Jason to turn him to the dark side and lead him down that path. Yeah. Is it fate? Was it free will? Tuck that in your back pocket because that was sneaky, eh? Just, that was the whole backdrop of the whole thing here. Anyways, um, they tell us a little bit about Jason. And I mean literal little bit. They say he was... He was here. He was here. And he was like, pretty smart. And he looked at our stuff. And he had a goal. Also, tells Luke and Ben that the Force is like a rainbow weave to them. Correct, mm-hmm. I think? Yep, yeah, they used rainbow. And we learn that they worship, quote, those who dwell beyond the veil. I got it. I only wrote those who dwell, so got it. All right. <laughs> um, whoever, whoever, whatever the fuck that is. Luke and Ben are then tasked with gathering and analyzing artifacts from these those who dwell for the Ang T. And when you know it, Luke Skywalker finds no answers to help these people. But he senses a disturbance in the Force. Out in the maw. So... They're fucking out of there. Uh, other notes. Ben can flow walk. He learns how to flow walk. The Yangtze teach him that, right? Mm-hmm. And he decides instantly that Jason was destined for evil. Yep. One time. Went back one time. Looked at him one time. In a moment of being a, a really actual nice guy. So, okay. I'm not going to dwell on that again. We did that enough over the phone. But... Uh, another side note, Luke can now teleport objects. Yep. And he does that. And in the end, the two of them seem still slightly divided, but also still kind of driven together to with yeah. this common purpose, obviously, right? They're father and son. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dad was right. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. The whole, the, exactly. Okay, so the whole the whole book amount for them amounts to, hey, you're not going to like that if you do it. Hey, you're not going to like that if you do it. And then the kid does it. And then the kid's mad because he doesn't like it. First, he's mad the whole time you're telling him he's not going to like it and he shouldn't do it. And then he does it. And then he's mad because you're right. And then they leave. Yep. 
Also, Luke doesn't learn how to flow walk. That's another side note there. Um, ben could teach him later. Yeah? Maybe not, though. Didn't Ben teach a lot of them how to hide themselves in the force? Sure, but wouldn't you rather learn it from the master while you're there with the opportunity to do so? You would think If so. you're a responsible grandmaster of the Jedi Order that you've now apparently abandoned all responsibility for since about halfway through the last series when your wife died. Yeah. What are you going to teach them how to teleport objects and control lightning? Well, you're not teaching anybody how to walk back in the past. You don't even know how. You don't even know how. You're on this mission to discover how and why whatever happened to Jason, and you don't even know how this one thing works. Does it, do they actually say he doesn't know how, or just he, he didn't want Ben to learn it? He's he's I, at the end of it. it it's, he's saying he refuses to learn it as well, because there's parts where he's like he could have gone with Ben or whatever. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah, that's right. But as far as he is saying, nope, didn't learn it. Didn't fucking care. Yeah, I don't want it. It's only a massive piece of Jason's puzzle, time traveling, that I think might be part of the problem because I think he maybe implanted all these force powers in everybody's brains, but I'm not going to learn that. Their arc ended up so disappointing. Yeah. As I said in the beginning, right? What, what did I say here? Lightning, ghosts, hallucinations, time fuckery. Very disappointing. What? What? We 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 got barely any lightning. We got no ghosts. One hallucination. A single flow walk through time. No name for the homeworld. No answers for the people. <laughs> and a cave full of mysterious, wondrous artifacts, never to be seen again, presumably. Yeah. Oh. And an assassin I almost forgot to write down because it was so glossed over and rushed. Yeah. That I almost forgot. Came in, tried to kill him, disappeared. Dust her fucking hands off and walk to the cave for three days and don't talk about that either. And touch this really powerful artifact and then leave it behind. And all of the other interesting stuff inside that cave. It would be cool if later it showed up that Luke just went, poof, it's on my ship now. Well, now... <laughs> Whoa, dude! I didn't even fucking think of that. The, very much a possibility. And what I was just about to say, is, you're proving my point, is that I'm getting mad about this because it's being presented as being done. Yeah. This we're not coming back here. We're not going to be welcome back to these people. We didn't help them. We didn't. We're not taking any of these things with us. Yada yada yada. And I'm mad about that presentation of this. Mm -hmm. Seven more books to go could very well turn out to be otherwise. Maybe we have to come back here for some reason. Maybe he did fucking mind bamf the special metal pyramid into the ship without anybody knowing. Because how would they know? They don't touch the things. They don't go in there. Yeah, they're not allowed. Oh, but like a lot of empty pockets that I wanted filled. Mm -hmm. More hallucinations. Hey, what happened in the three days that they're walking through the fucking alien mountains to an alien cave? They didn't talk. We don't know. It was covered in one sentence when it said three days passed or whatever. Yeah. Just Where's some, the ghosts? Where's the hallucinations there? Yeah. Some inner monologue of Ben saying that they didn't talk for three days. And then he gets back to them and he goes, ah, you're on your own. This is Luke Skywalker's answer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe the story is sometimes there is no answer. Okay. 
Yeah. I don't like it. Doesn't make for great, right? I like, like it good. <laughs> okay. If I could be more clear that I don't like that. No, he doesn't solve their problem. He doesn't get an answer for himself or them or about Jason other than a direction. Yeah. He, the, he went to the unharmonious place after he left. Well, they don't even know that for sure. Uh, yeah, no. Um, what's his name? Tara Rowe told him. Well, said, he, that's where he was headed. Right, exactly. That's and where I told was, him not to go to. Yeah, I told him not to go to. Exactly, yeah. So we're assuming that's where he went. Yeah. Sort of, which could be troublesome, like assuming these Sith were going to find Luke Skywalker. And then the ship left and they got to go find ship. So we're assuming Jason went there. It's what we're being told. But that's all we get out of this whole arc. Yeah. Is Ben can flow walk. Okay. Probably major. Probably not going to be the last time he does it. Mm-hmm. Luke can teleport objects. Wild. That's wild. <laughs> we'll see. What, what fucking comes of that remains to be seen. We got... Other than that, a precious little amount of info about... Those who dwell beyond the veil. Yeah. Who was this? They must have said that 550 times in this book. So I'm assuming it's important because that name of their gods was just shoved in our piss hole the whole book long. And very, and each one was, each word was capitalized. Yes. It was definitely a proper name. And out of that those gods' piles of junk comes the direction to the maw mm-hmm. and the disquiet, unbalance, and the disturbance in the force. That so, at least at the end of this book, we already know where they're gonna go. Yeah, we know where they're not where like they're last headed. book. Yeah, we know where they're headed. Uh, new powers, maybe they get uh. On the way, they get laid Who knows? But, like, did anything happen? Other than them learning a couple new things. Did anything happen with them? With themselves? These Their, their characters? Did Luke and Ben change at all? Or is really the only thing just going to be the seed of maybe this now existing rift in between the two of them over the flow walking thing which again maybe is okay for book two right yeah you set the seed you don't really shift the fucking table too much we already got a whole brand new culture and new main character to to (laughs) deal with throughout the book right so maybe it's not a huge deal that not not too many other people did a whole fuck of a lot but luke and ben went to the most potentially interesting place and did nothing with it. Yeah. They each got one new power and Ben's got a little stun stick thing. Yeah, there'll be some convergence maybe between the Sith and Luke at the at the mall. But I don't know if this is I mean, is it purpose on purposely written that it's so disappointing? All the treasure left behind. Answers undiscovered. Maybe the next book, the beginning will be epic. Who knows? Maybe the next book will be like, 
We went right back to that planet. We asked them what it was called. <laughs> hey, do you have a name for your home world? Because I'm going to put it in the notes for the Jedi Order archives or something. Yeah. I'm going to learn something. Hey, can we take a picture of you so we know what you guys uh, look like? Uh, 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 <laughs> no. Then I'll just have to flow walk and draw it. Like a court drawer. Uh, was it stenographer? Sketch artist. Sketch artist? Stenographer is the, the typer. Stenographer is the typer. <laughs> typer. Don't be a writer. <laughs> but seriously, what was your favorite moment of Luke and Ben? Luke and Ben. Favorite moment. Um, I think actually it's Luke being, he seemed afraid of that artifact that he touched because it wasn't light side or dark side. It was just energy just power just straight power amplifier and i think I th he seemed afraid of it at the very least yeah like apprehensive yeah fucking with that much power that's just old man wisdom i guess yeah and that was kind of maybe other than that that pisses me off though because they just left it all behind they just left it there um ben learning to flow walk even though he didn't do anything with that either he went back and had what I think was a very misinterpreted yeah. um, conclusion drawn. Learning learning new abilities. That's probably... Yeah, they got new force powers. Like, that's the cool D&D &D RPG game yeah. thing. They yeah. leveled up. They leveled power. up. Yeah. My they favorite get, they part, got to choose an archetype. <laughs> my favorite part was the uh, unaccounted for three-day hike through an alien mountain. That probably would have been cool. <laughs> my favorite part was something you made up in your head what happened yeah want to know why because the rest of it was fucking disappointing it was disappointing all all of that hype in the early chapters of like they're going to such a strange and mysterious place we don't even have information about it we don't know where they are we only know rumors of these wild things and then it's like one hallucination Ben learns how to flow walk and we see him do it once at the very end. The spider hallucination was super creepy. It was. I'm thinking about and it, it happened now. once. I'm thinking about it because there were the descriptive words were there were so many spiders that they wouldn't have fit in the <laughs> wouldn't ship. Wouldn't have even fit in the jade So shadow. I'm <laughs> I'm imagining just <sighs> engulfing your whole body just spiders. That's a bad hallucination. Yeah. But it only happens the one time. Yep. It's only it's only an impact on the story once. It but they they just left. It could happen again on their way out. No. We're not gonna know about it. It's gonna be <laughs> it's, it's not gonna, gonna be, be brought left up to your fucking imagination. It's gonna it's gonna the next scene with Luke and Ben is gonna be them cut to the outside of the rift. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's gonna be them halfway to the mall. <laughs> Yeah, because who knows? We we are skipping to the next book, right? Not skipping. We're moving on to the next book, so there could be a weak time jump in between there or something. Mm -hmm. Where like there's time for the fallout of of Jaina's uh, interview to seethe and and start a forest fire yeah. on Coruscant. Or she's only grounded for like two weeks. Hey, so cut back two weeks later. Jaina's yeah. tired from chores and pick up the story. Like maybe she'll do something. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe being grounded will put her into action. I don't know, man. Any other thoughts on the book? Not, not so far. I just hope that it that all this 
either quickly cut off mm. dead-ended stuff is more of a leading to other things rather than just like for eh, done with it for example the nexu better be a massive piece of the plot right because we spent a lot of time getting to the conclusion of we're getting a lana a nexu we yeah. spent a lot of pages getting to that conclusion for that character um something big better happen with the Ma. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about it for both of the books. And it even came up a bunch of times in the last series. Where remember even there was one All the gravity black hole stuff. Where did they go? They went to some restaurant or some shit in the last series. Some hotel or something that was decorated inside to look like the Maw. Yes. Remember, do you remember that? Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what the name of the place was called, but it's been coming up for eleven books. Mm. And so allegedly we're going there in the next book. Who knows? You might change the course and change directions. Here's my thoughts on the book. Turns out I didn't like very much of it. <laughs> I, until I, I liked it until the last third of the book and then nothing paid off in a satisfying way. Not nothing. Vastara storyline was good, but Jaina did nothing, which is, a big pet peeve of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. She should be doing more always. She's one of the most powerful fucking people in the galaxy. Since book two of the first series. She went on a date. She went to the circus. She got engaged. Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. Summer fair. Okay. Luke and Ben went into mystery central without exploring most of the mysteries. Almost none of them. Han and Leia were bad parenting and then... Too persuasive in the conversation with Dala. Yeah. yeah. Why the fuck would she care that two and two is equal when they lied and that's yours? They both... Okay. Mm-hmm. But Vestarka is a fantastic. Fantastic <laughs> addition. Yeah. With a very satisfying narrative flow. I liked, you know, the starting... the We start two years ago when she's 14, just training... And then the ship comes in. We fast forward a little bit through some family time. And then she ends up going to the temple. She gets in, inducted as a, an apprentice. And then we fast forward to Killing Machine. Yeah. And other than, yeah, maybe had we had like a, a pirating scene of her actually murdering people. Yeah. Other than that, hers, she had she had a good arc. It was a good flow through the whole book for her. But I didn't end up liking very much because nothing ended up happening with anything else. Yeah. Like, the Luke and Ben thing had so much potential for crazy things to happen. They sat down and talked to the aliens. The craziest thing that happened was they got their face licked. Yeah. That was really the craziest thing that happened. The rest of everything that the... All their interactions with those aliens were sitting down and talking, which has its place. In mm-hmm. the Jedi story or doing things for them by themselves. Yeah. Going into the cave to examine the things, going out in the ship to collect artifacts. They didn't interact in a meaningful way with these <laughs> brand new characters at all. They even brought up Luke and Ben in their own inner monologues, even brought up that they were bored. Right. Imagine writing that in your book. Yeah. And not getting the clue of, 
this is fucking boring. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm saying my main characters are bored with what's happening. Don't write this. Yeah. Write it good. Let's rearrange it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There are so many things that they could have oh, run into on fuck. that planet. Even just some weirdo alien in, in the walk that they had to run from or hide from. Or I, I said it at the time. The biggest, most egregious fucking grievance is that you walk three days on an alien planet and say no words about it. Mm-hmm. That is just a flagrant fucking foul. That's yeah. illegal. You can't go to a brand new planet and two people have been to. Yeah. And neither of them took notes. And then neither did you. Yeah. You all, went there with no it's notes all, it's being like, oh, we need notes. It's all mental notes. And you took no notes. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Shocking. You don't learn time traveling. Shut the fuck up. Even if you think it's evil and don't want to use it, shouldn't you be wise enough to understand that learning the thing will help you understand it more? If yeah, it is evil, it you should understand it better. If it isn't, well, then you should understand it better. See how that worked? No matter what. Yeah. You should know and understand. Oh, my God. This is Luke Skywalker? Yeah. He was even saying shit like, oh, Jedi can't have a rainbow weave force because... There's no room for compromise. My eyebrows just shot up to my hairline, which is saying a lot lately. (laughs) (laughs) But what is that? You know, I said that at the time too. Three quarters of these stories ended disappointingly. Mm -hmm. That's all. That's all there is to say about it. Yeah. Rushed to the end and then abruptly cut off. We did this in the last review where we rated the first book on a scale of one to nine fates. How many fates do you give book to Omen on a scale of one to nine fates? Okay. Um, three. Yeah. Like that's low. Yeah. Not as low as two out of nine fates. <laughs> and the only reason is my only reason. I went back okay. and looked outcast one out of nine. Okay. So let me say this, not a good start no. for this series. And maybe we are assholes who just really love legacy of the force <laughs> with Jason a lot better. But good the first book I gave a one out of nine, the second one I'm giving a two out of nine and it's only better than fucking underground party of outcast by virtue of Vestara Kai yep. and her lost tribe of the Sith. That is the only reason it's better than the previous book, which is so disappointing to say and unexpected. Maybe you'll keep going up by one and at the end of the book, you'll just... Well, my plan is to use each number once yeah, and then they're ranked. I should really track mine. Both of us could have gone back and looked at it. I had mine written down in the notes. But yeah, you know, it's really disappointing to kick off this series with two books and me. I'm not... A hater. I'm not a cynical uh, jump to the conclusion of saying I don't like the things that I like for X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Yeah. I am a lover of all things Star Wars. I love 7, 8, 9 are pretty good. I dig it, man. They're not our Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. but they're fucking good movies. 
I want to love these books. And I do remember loving this series. Mm-hmm. But I probably read the books in a big fat smash. And so far, between one and two, they're rated one and two out of nine. Yeah. Fates. Yeah, you probably the read them. <laughs> you probably read them all in such a condensed period of time that the first, say, maybe yeah, like, two oh, or wow, three. Oh, these are all really good. Yeah, the first two or three just got lost in the rest. But without Vistara Kai, this would be another one out of nine. Yeah, yeah. Just because of how, like I said, unsatisfyingly everything ended in a rushed, clipped, just slam the fucking door sort of way. Like, yeah. And it's, it's weird, too. Like, she stopped at 25 chapters. We've had books that have gone into the low 30s. Like, that would have been fine. I think even the first one, Betrayal, I think Aaron Alston's first one was like 38. Yeah, like, that would have been fine. Of the last series. Add a few extra. Well, but it's not up to her, and it's not up to us. That's that's true. Well, it's up to whatever fucking money you're getting from the publisher. And, you know, the other thing, too, is this was her first Star Wars book. Yeah. So I bet you she did get shorter page count or, you know, tighter restrictions or who knows how she was creatively limited that comes to this conclusion where I'm unsatisfied. Yeah. But I am here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You know, I can't speak for her. The first two thirds of the book were fucking really well written. Mm -hmm. And then it just came to this unsatisfying conclusion. Yeah. That's all. That's all. That's the best way I can describe my feelings about this book. I don't want to come to these reviews and be like, that fucking sucked, huh? Didn't that suck? That yeah. is not why we're doing this podcast. No, we started because we love them. We are about. <laughs> yeah. That's not how we operate. But here I am complaining about a lot of things at the end of this book. And now, like we said, with hope, maybe we'll, we will get to look back and chastise ourselves and criticize ourselves for being overly critical now mm-hmm. when things will pay off bigger and better later and maybe it's better to be unsatisfied now and for it to pay off you know i'm I'm delaying gratification is a very difficult thing but maybe it'll pay off (laughs) but i also know that we said that a lot of things in the last series where we just filled in the blanks in the ways that we liked it (laughs) not in the ways that we were given in the text yeah yeah so this one Sits out of two out of nine fates for me. It's got Vestara Kai and the Lost Tribe of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Also ship. Yeah. Where is Zek? Now, let's look ahead to Fate of the Jedi. Book three, Abyss. Good which name. Good name. Is a very evocative name. Second time I've used that word. That's why I was mm-hmm. on the tip of my tongue. It is a thought-provoking name. Yeah. <laughs> it evokes a lot of imagery. Like what, especially when, obviously for two whole books, we've been talking about black holes. Yeah. Yeah. So the abyss is definitely literal, but also who will be suffering the figurative abyss, right? Because we never work these titles on one level. That's kindergarten shit. Yeah. Layers. Mm-hmm. Like an onion. Like an ogre. Uh, that, or like a parfait. You could say parfait. <laughs> like parfait. <laughs> Let's go get some parfait. Trick. No, I don't like no parfait. Trick. <laughs> hmm. 
Oh, I don't got no pelvis. Man. Oh, God, that's so good. Okay, okay, okay. Abyss. Fate of the Jedi, book three. Released August 18th, 2009. So our first three books went March, June, August. And then guess what? We do that cycle again the following year. So we go March, June, August, one, two, three. And then we wait all the way until next March for book four, which I think looking at the spacing of it is cool. Now you're releasing them also as individual trilogies, Mm -hmm. like one trilogy a year, ding, 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 making this triple trilogy story. Kind of like that. August 18th, 2009. That's a long time ago. (laughs) Almost (laughs) 11 years ago, right? If my math is correct. I didn't write down the math. Oh God. Am I right? Almost 11. Yeah. We're almost August, 2020. Yeah. Feels like it. It's been March for 64 days. (laughs) Yes, it has. (laughs) My March break started two months ago. Uh, I've been here for a long time. Book three abyss. Yeah. Speaking of the abyss, we're in it, baby. Mm -hmm. But we are slowly climbing out. Allowed to do an in-person podcast (laughs) with five people or less. Climbing Out of the Abyss, released August 18th, 2009. It's actually only just titled Abyss, not Climbing Out of the Abyss, but it was released on that day. 11 fucking years ago. Written by Troy Denning, one of our favorite Star Wars authors. I'll speak for you because we've both said it many times. Yes, we have. In his familiar third slot, his fucking bat and cleanup spot mm, in yeah. these triple trilogies. He's obviously... Okay, so so if we look at if we think about it, you know, in a more meta way, if you're assigning a three person writing team, you really are trusting Aaron Alston to give us enough in the opening book of each trilogy to work with through the middle and all the way to the end. We're really trusting Troy Denning to give us a satisfying ending because mm-hmm. that's why he bats third and sixth and ninth. Yeah, because he is finishing the end of each one of these stories, and Christy Golden being a late tag in for Karen Travis, who just was had too much work to do. She had too much, too many jobs on the go. Yeah, because she's a fucking great writer, and so Christy Golden tags in with her first Star Wars book. Yeah, I thought it was really good for two thirds. Troy Denning, in his familiar third slot with his like. 20th Star Wars book. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot. Because he had, like, I don't know. I don't know. We say this every time. Like, seven, a, a, three or four, maybe seven in the in the NJO. And then he had the whole trilogy after that. And then he's had six out of these ones. So, lots. Mm. Lots of books. And all sorts of other fantasy stuff that he's done. It, yeah. It was, the numerous Star Wars books he used to, you know, wrote for T, TSR. He wrote the, what was it? He helped write Space Jammer camp, campaign setting back yeah, in the original Yeah, day? something or, like that. Or, uh, uh, fuck, I'm, I'm blowing it now. One of them. A lot of stuff. One of them. Lots of lots of cool stuff that we fucking like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's more fun when you can see my stupid yeah. face. Yeah, head, head moving around. Yeah, oh, great. So much better. Uh, I'm enjoying it. He is authored, of course. Three books in the last series. And here he is with his first for Fate of the Jedi. The cover of the hardcover book. Because, of course, it was released in 2009 in hardcover. It didn't come out in paperback till the following year. Yeah. (laughs) So, 
suck it on hardcover with a $30 book for all that time. That's what they were doing. You might have to save up for this one all the way until next March. So this one comes out in hardcover. And the front cover has Princess Leia looking serious. Mm -hmm. Blast her up for blasting. The back cover has Jaina, maybe? I'm assuming. Looks a lot like Leia. Looks a lot like Jason. Also looking serious. And we have a lot to read as it's a hardcover. The little the little blurb on the back says, Peace is the way of the Jedi. But with deadly enemies on every side, war may be the only way out. And then we open it up into the flap. And we see three fucking paragraphs. That I will read for you now to set us up for the next book. Following a trail of clues across the galaxy, Luke Skywalker continues his quest to find the reasons behind Jason Solo's dark downfall and to win redemption for the Jedi Order. Sojourning among the mysterious Ang-Ti monks has left Luke and his son Ben with no real answers. Only the suspicion that the revelations they seek lie in the forbidden reaches of the distant Maw Cluster. There, hidden from the galaxy in a labyrinth of black holes, dwell the Mind Walkers. Those whose power to transcend their bodies and be one with the Force is as seductive and intoxicating as it is potentially fatal. But it may be Luke's only path to the truth. Meanwhile, on Coruscant, the war of wills between Galactic Alliance Chief of State Natasi Dalla and the Jedi Order is escalating. Outraged over the carbonite freezing of young Jedi Knights, Valen and Gisela Horn after their inexplicable mental breakdowns, the Jedi are determined to defy Dalla's martial tactics, override Council Master Kent Hamner's wavering leadership, and deal on their own terms with the epidemic of madness preying on their ranks. As Han and Leia Solo, along with their daughter Jaina, join the fight to protect more stricken knights from arrest, Jedi healers race to find a cure for the rapidly spreading affliction, but none of them realize the blaster barrel is already swinging in their direction, and Chief Dalla is about to pull the trigger. Nor do Luke and Ben, deep in the Maw Cluster, and pushing their Force abilities beyond known limits, realize how close they are to the Sith. Strike Squad bent on exterminating the Skywalkers! to a nexus of dark side energy unprecedented in its power and its hunger, and to an explosive confrontation between opposing wielders of the Force from which only one master, good or evil, can emerge alive. That's what we have to look forward to next week when we kick off Fate of the Jedi, Book 3, Abyss. Chapters 1 through 4. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. I like it good. <laughs> Not abysmal. Oh. <laughs> For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.